So the last few weeks, we've been talking about the Lord's yoke, his teaching, his teaching that opens up a different way of life for his disciples than those outside the church can even understand, a life unburdened. This morning, I want to talk about a particular burden that so many live with, and that is the burden of anxiety and worry. Fact is, some of us live with that continually. It weighs us down more than anything else in our life. We're worried about what's going to happen to us or to someone that we love. And it's on our minds constantly spinning. We can't let it go. And that is not what the Lord intends for us. And so in his teaching, he actually speaks to that very problem. He does it in a number of places, but I want us to turn to one in particular in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. Let's read what Jesus has to say about anxiety and worry. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Right here in this passage, Jesus speaks to this problem of anxiety and worry. And if you take his teaching to heart, if you take it to heart and you allow it to start controlling your thoughts and your speech and you live according to it, you will not live with worry. That's not the Lord's intention for you to be worrying constantly. Now, a lot of people find that hard to believe. They are so used to worrying that they, don't, they can't even imagine life without worrying. In fact, if they're not worried about something, they start to worry that maybe they've forgotten something that they should be worrying about. I mean, they're just used to worrying. But Jesus says, no, that's not God's way. Now, I want, I want it to be understood that we're here talking about the ordinary worry that people have when they anticipate problems down the road. I'm not talking about clinical anxiety that some people struggle with, say panic attacks or something like that. Um, maybe some sort of phobic fear or something that grips them and completely controls them. What Jesus says here is helpful to everyone, including someone with clinical anxiety, but there is a difference here. 
Now, for physicians and psychologists, just forgive me for speaking of this in lay terms, but the distinction I would draw between the sort of clinical anxiety and what Jesus is dealing with is that sometimes there's a, there's a strong physical overreaction to some threatening situation. And that overreaction of your body can be, well, it can be a panic attack or something similar to that. That can be rooted in biology. It can be rooted in some traumatic experience of the past and something happens that reminds you of it. There are lots of things that are involved and God can help you with that. Pastoral counseling, professional therapy, seeing your physician, maybe there's medical interventions. God can help you through that. There are steps that you can take. But here Jesus is talking about the more common experience that people have where you just begin to worry. Have you ever been there? I know I have. It can be hard to sleep sometimes, and you can't concentrate on so many parts of your life because you're so worried about what might happen to you. Now, Jesus lays down here as the bedrock truth that we have to begin with if we're going to overcome anxiety and worry, that truth is God is our heavenly Father. He cares for us. He cares about our needs, and He works to meet those needs. God knows. God cares. God is able. That's what Jesus is saying. And so whatever we face, God is not taken by surprise. He's not unable to help, and he's not uninclined to help. The opposite. He wants to minister to us, strengthen us, guide us, take us through whatever trouble that we're facing. And Jesus makes the point by saying, look, God takes care of birds. God causes the flowers to bloom. How much more is he going to take care of us and care for us? To know that, to know that is to find relief from worry because you can rest that God is going to take care of you. You can relax knowing that God is watching over you. Of course, we all know that (laughs) there are such things as droughts and famines, right? And... We talk about birds and the flowers of the field. God cares for them all, and yet we know that they can be burned up in Texas heat, right? And we know that birds don't always make it, and we know that there are good people who have needs that don't seem to be met. Jesus was not unmindful of such situations when he made that promise, See, this is, this is true throughout Scripture. Scripture is full of the promises of God. And there are times when, seasons during which, God doesn't seem to be answering our prayers and keeping his promise. That is a test of faith. It's not proof of God's unfaithfulness because in the end, God will show himself faithful. He always does. He always does, whether we can recognize it in this life or if the recognition awaits eternity, whatever the case may be, God is always faithful. But it's true, there are times where there's a test of faith, where we have to say, I know God 
knows my situation. I know God cares, and I know he's able to help. And I'm going to stand on that truth. Remember a couple of weeks ago, I talked about preaching to ourselves. Instead of listening to ourselves, we need to preach to ourselves. You have these thoughts that God is not going to see you through. The problem you face seems so much more real than the presence of God. At that moment, your faith is being tested and you have to remind yourself, God cares about me, God knows my situation, and God is able, and God will. God will intervene for me, for my loved one. God is not going to let me down. We have to stand firm in that faith through it all. A couple of passages that I find interesting in this connection, Jesus actually speaks of the birds that may not always make it through some difficult time. Listen to this in Matthew 10. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. Now, you notice that not one will fall to the ground. He's not saying they won't fall to the ground. He won't say that they're going to exist forever. Birds die as we die. Not one will fall to the ground, he says, outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Now, the English here says not no sparrows outside the Father's care. It actually says literally in the Greek that they are not without God, without God. Yes, it means that that they are not outside the Father's care, but it's more than that. They're not without God. Even the sparrow will not fall apart from the presence and power of the gracious God. And no matter what you go through, even when it looks like God isn't meeting your need and your faith is being tested, you of much more value than any sparrow have God with you. You are not without God. His presence and power will see you through. And in the end, this God will show himself faithful, just as he did in the resurrection of Jesus. I mean, Jesus was defeated by death, it would seem, and yet he rose from the dead. God will stand by you, and God will help you. You need to hold to that truth. You need to preach that truth to you. God knows God cares, God is able. Now, Jesus says something else in this passage, really interesting. He says that life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Now, I've pondered that for a long time. And if you go to commentaries, you'll see Bible students have pondered that for a long time. What exactly does he mean? I mean, in some sense, it's pretty obvious, right? Life is is something more important and more significant than food, and yet I do need food in order to survive. What's he trying to get at? I'm not sure, but I think he's trying to say something like this. When you are worried and anxious, that tends to take over all your thought and your life begins to shrink. Pretty soon, everything becomes about that problem of which you're worried. That's what you think about day and night. It's something that 
consumes you. Your relationships suffer. Your professional life suffers. Certainly your spiritual life suffers. You're focused in on this anxiety. And Jesus is saying, listen, your life is more than this thing you're worried about. It's more than that. And he says that you are, instead of being consumed by your worries, you should be focused on the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You were created to know and serve God and to live life by doing his will. And he says, then all these other things will be added to you. You shouldn't be narrowing life down to the problem that has you worried. Instead, focus on the the heart of it all. What's really central in life, focus on God and living for God and let the other follow in its train. God knows, God cares, God's able. He'll take care of it. You don't have to be completely consumed by it. A lot of you remember Becky Ellison, who passed away, uh, I think, 2020. What a remarkable, wonderful woman Becky was. She was a woman of faith that, that goes, without, goes without saying, really. She was a woman who served Christ so faithfully through Women's Missionary Union, um, not just in our church, but in the state of Texas. Uh, she actually was the, uh, the, the designated person from the Women's Missionary Union to oversee, promote the Christian Women's Job Corps and the Christian Men's Job Corps. And she did this for years. She was appointed to the position after she had been diagnosed with cancer in 2010. And so for 10 years, she lived with cancer and she lived with cancer treatment. And over that period of time, it was astonishing. Uh, Doctors had told her that she would, in very short order, Uh, be unable to walk, but she continued walking and she continued serving and you could never get a complaint out of her. There were times you could see the exhaustion on her face, but there was still a smile on her face and she was still serving other people. She came to see me not long before she passed away. Uh, She wanted to talk about a couple of things, including her funeral. One of the strange and blessed things that happens when you're the pastor of a church is you often speak with people shortly before they die when they know they're dying. And it's a faith-building experience because you will hear story after story of how God is at work in the lives of, life of a person even as they face death. And that was the case with Becky. But I heard some things from her that I've not heard in quite the same way from any other human being. It was astonishing. I asked her, how do you you keep going? How do you keep going? And she said, well, you know, I I just ask myself this. If I had just one more minute to live and... I wanted to know how God wanted me to live that minute. What would that look like? And then I do that. 
You know what she's saying there? She's saying, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. That's what she's saying. And that was her approach. If I'm going to live one more minute, I'm not guaranteed any time. If I'm going to live one more minute, I want to live it like God wants me to live it. And she went around Texas telling people who were involved in ministry as part of her ministry. She'd say, you know, you have today. What are you doing today to serve Christ? That was the first thing she told me. She talked about, in effect, seeking first the kingdom of God. But then what about, what about her struggles, her health problems and all the rest? What about that? You know what she said? She was famous for this line. She was famous for it. Does anybody here know what I'm going to say? What, what did Becky say? Do you know? Yeah, some folks know. God's got this. God's got this. She said that to so many people in this church, so many people around the state, and that day when she's talking to me, she smiled and she said, God's got this. God's got this. In other words, he knows, he cares, he's able. This was extraordinary to me. It's easy to talk about it. For goodness sake, it's easy to preach about it. But when you're living with cancer and you see the finish line ahead and you can say, you know what? If I've got a minute, I want to know what the Lord wants because that's what I want to do. And I don't have to worry about anything else because God's got this. That's extraordinary to me. That changed my life. When I'm tempted to worry about property taxes, I can think about Becky Ellison, this precious saint. God's got this. Remember how Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's worship. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's seeking first the kingdom of God. Give us this day our daily bread. Those are the needs that we have. You notice God, God's kingdom, God's will comes first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then our needs. And all these things will be added to you. When I pray for my daily bread, it's not, it's not a small thing. I mean, I'm really praying because I want my daily bread. So it's not an insignificant thing. It's not an afterthought, but it is after seeking the will of the Lord. That's key. That's absolutely crucial. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then these other things are going to be added. How do you know? How do you know? Jesus says, you know, because your loving heavenly Father knows, cares, and is able. Now, pagans don't know this, Jesus says. Their life has been shrunk down to where all they do is think about their needs, and they're desperate to have their needs met. So they don't know this because they don't believe. Christians who believe... They do know this, and they don't live with worry. But Jesus also speaks of Christians with little faith, and that would, include, that would include me on all my bad days, and I have too many bad days. Little faith. What is little faith? It's when you really do believe, you believe that God knows, God cares, God is able. You believe all of that, 
but you also have in your mind other things like, well, what if, what if God doesn't do what I'm hoping he does? What if he doesn't do this? See, your problem seems so close and so big and so real, and God seems so distant and so unreal. That's when you're in little faith, and that's where we struggle. Jesus in this passage is calling us to full faith in the goodness of God, and he's calling us to refocus on the kingdom of God. If we do that, we're just about there. The one thing that we could add is the very last verse where Jesus admonishes us to follow a certain discipline. He says, we're not supposed to worry about tomorrow. Why? Because tomorrow will worry about itself. He says, each day has enough evil of its own. Now, <laughs> this is the man who said that God takes care of the sparrows and causes the grass of the field to bloom. So he understands not simply that God is good and God provides, but he understands that in this world we will have trouble. He acknowledges that. I mean, that's just the reality. But he says, don't focus on tomorrow. You see, today's trouble is enough for today, and God gives grace and power for today. For today. In the book of Lamentations, which was written to the people of Jerusalem after the city is destroyed by the Babylonians, and they're suffering so intently. In chapter 3, they're told the Lord's mercies are what? New every morning. So the Lord always gives today mercies. It's like manna. He gives manna each morning. The people would gather it up but you couldn't save it overnight or it would ruin. You could only gather it up in the morning and you had to eat it then and then the next morning you had to gather it again. The Lord's mercies are new every morning. He gives you today mercies for whatever troubles you face. You don't get tomorrow mercies until tomorrow comes. So today, all you need is this. You need faith in God who's giving you the mercy and grace you need to make it through today. And you need the faith to know that tomorrow he'll give you what you need for tomorrow. That's all you need. So you have to discipline yourself. Are you going to focus on tomorrow? What about this? And will God help me with that? No, no, no. You leave tomorrow to take care of itself. You just focus on today because God gives mercy and strength and grace today. And then tomorrow he'll give, he'll give more. His mercies are new every morning. That's good, isn't it? We have to learn to live in daytight compartments. You just have to shut the door on the future. Just let it, let it slam shut and live in today, we have no guarantees for tomorrow anyway. But when we get there, God will be there as well, the God who loves us so deeply. So how do we live? 
We live confident in God's goodness. We focus on the kingdom. We don't let ourselves get obsessed with the worries. We stay in today. Yes, we have to make provision for tomorrow, but we don't worry about tomorrow. We know when we get there, God's going to be there, and God will take care of us. And I suppose it goes without saying that in all of this, we, we bring our prayers before God, right? Paul says that the Lord is near. So don't be anxious about anything, he says. Don't be anxious about anything. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, the with thanksgiving is important because that's an expression of faith. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God that transcends understanding. You could understand that statement as meaning that goes beyond psychological explanation. It's like, how can you possibly have the peace of God when you're in this situation? But Paul says the peace of God, which makes no psychological sense, will guard your heart, your mind and heart. And so we bring our prayers We bring our prayers with thanksgiving. Father, I thank you that you know my need. I thank you that you care. I thank you that you're able. I leave it in your hands. And once we pray, that's where we leave it. I'd add only one last thing. If your real concern and your real worry is about yourself and what's going on in your soul, in your mind, You know that sin is in control. You know that you're not connected with God. You want to be, but you don't really know how. Well, see, you can pray that same kind of prayer for yourself. God, I'm confused. I don't know know where to turn, but I bring myself to you. I give myself to you. And I ask you to forgive me everything I've done wrong. Please just forgive me and please come into my life and thank him for hearing you because the Bible says he will hear you and the Bible says he'll save you. And so whatever your situation, wherever you've been, whoever you are, whatever your religious background is, none of that matters. No religious background at all, that doesn't matter either. You wouldn't be here if you didn't have at least some hope that there is a God and that that God cares about you. He does. And so you can pray. You can pray even now. Would you pray with me? Father, we all need your grace. We all need your provision, your strength. We face problems that are larger than ourselves, but, Lord, not larger than you. And so we ask, Heavenly Father, that you would take our burdens upon yourself. We cast our care upon you, Lord, because we know you care about us. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to stand in faith, even when our faith is tested, and to trust you to take care of our concerns. And forgive us, Lord, when we let ourselves get 
get in unbelief about these things. Free us from worry and anxiety, we pray. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And we pray, Lord, for any here this morning who need to turn their whole life over to you. God, give them grace to do that. May they receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, even at this moment as we pray. And it's in Christ's name that we ask all of this. Amen. Amen.